0: Another Way to Play, episode 126.
1: Basically, I just had to look at the conditioning, the pattern, the stories I've been telling myself, and just begin to live more freely and authentically, and not really care what people thought of the path I was choosing. You know, live to the best in my own purpose, and you know, let things go where they're meant to go. Hi, this is Charlie Hartwell, managing partner of the Bridge Builders Collaborative. And if you wanna make the next chapter of your life better than the last, you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend,
0: Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Struzina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Strizin, and if you're like me, you may have tried a few different meditation apps lately and interestingly enough it's when you think about it the intersection of technology capitalism business and a very eastern philosophy based on mindfulness and and self improvement and that sort of thing It's kind of a weird dichotomy that doesn't naturally fit, but yet here they are. Well, I actually, in today's episode, had a conversation with Charlie Hartwell, who's the managing partner of the Bridge Builders Collaborative, who's someone who has invested as a venture capitalist in many, actually 15 of different apps and companies that bring these kinds of practices to a more Western society. In today's episode, we talk to Charlie about uh, not only some of the businesses he's invested in, but the philosophy that he uses when deciding to invest or not in a business, as well as his personal story and development when it comes to, uh, well, personal development and how he got on this train of investing in companies like this. If you get some value out of this episode, please leave it a rating and review over on iTunes. It really helps me grow the show and make sure I'm reaching a wider audience, uh, as well as gives me some critical feedback on how to keep improving. And to those of you who've already done that, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, So without any further ado, let's get into this conversation with Charlie Hartwell. Charlie, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure. Hans, it's good to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time today. Absolutely. And gosh, it was such a, we, we've tried to have this on the books for a while and just kept moving one in and uh, again and again for one reason or another. So I'm glad we were finally here. We made it. <laughs> we made it. Yeah, that's right. So with that, why don't we get into this and, and start off by, by learning a little bit about the Bridge Builders Collaborative. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what your guys' mission is and, and all of that good stuff?
1: Yeah, the Bridge Builders Collaborative is a group that formed nine years ago. There's currently you know, nine investment partners. We started by investing in what we called mind training, which we sort of defined as digital therapeutics, mindfulness apps, behavioral health platforms. And you know, the companies we invested in got to a point where they were scaling and we sort of said, you know, mission accomplished. We'd like had hundred million people meditating on platforms we'd invested in. And my wife said to me a couple of years ago, Charlie, you guys have been investing in the gateway drugs, to higher level of consciousness. It's time to go deeper. And so I listened to that. When I'm smart, I listen to my wife. And we set this intention to actually go deeper. And so I'd say what we're doing today is we invest in startup companies, normally around Series A, uh, that are focused on improving mental wellness, uh, helping people to go deeper into themselves so they can be happier, healthier, more self-aware, deal with trauma, become more increase their social wellness, uh, and be more focused on sort of their spiritual selves and you know and and just we're, we're here to help raise collective consciousness.
0: It's interesting and and one of the things that I found so fascinating about what you guys do when I was researching online is is that alignment between sort of that spiritual well-being, I guess, for lack of a better term, and then the alignment of business, because that's that's what you guys are doing. Is you're you're literally investing in companies that help provide products or services to people to be able to enhance their spiritual well-being or their their inner talk. Or I don't know how every <laughs> every company that you talk yeah. to or invest in is probably different. But where did that inspiration come from in the beginning?
1: In the beginning, uh, the inspiration came from. The original three group of investors: a guy named Jeff Walker, a guy named Austin Hurst, a guy named Scott Krenz. They were all supporters of something called the Mind and Life Institute, which was founded by a Stanford MBA, a Chilean neuroscientist, and the Dalai Lama. And the Mind and Life Institute really helped to promote the science of inner well-being, science of mindfulness, contemplative practice, and and you know something that had been sort of considered weird years ago. Research was proving the efficacy uh, of these contemplative practices. And my partners said, asked whether the science had gotten to the point where there would be anything to invest in so they could help take the science and help entrepreneurs to scale that science to improve, you know, so, you know, sort of social well-being. And, and the other side, my wife, who's a social scientist, had been involved in the Mind and Life Institute, introduced me into the organization and... You know, I was the guy that these guys found to answer the question whether or not there would be anything, you know, to invest in uh, coming from that research.
0: Interesting. So, so you kind of got involved in this, it, it, literally in that intersection. It sounds like of of the business meets the science and the and the practice of this. Because you know, one thing that I I was struck by, and maybe you get this a lot, and maybe not, is is sort of the the odd. I won't call it dichotomy, but you said one of the founding members of that other group is the Dalai Lama, and that's not a, a name you associate with entrepreneurship and capitalism and that sort of thing, right? So there's like a, a, a financial thing here, but there's also this inner peace. You know, I have vision of a guy kind of meditating on top of a mountain, like your background here, and I wonder how there has been or is has there been any kind of odd conflict trying to align sort of capitalistic pursuit of a business around something like this and the, the science and the practice and all that sort of thing.
1: Well, you know, going back to the Dalai Lama, you know, I've been to, uh, you know, his place in Dharamsala, Indian, and I laughed when he said, you know, had he not been the Dalai Lama, what he wanted to be was a scientist. So he really, you know, he really understands and, you know, and promotes science. And he also, you know, sort of understood that, that the science that the western world needed to prove to the sort of head-driven westerners what the eastern heart already knew and so science was a way of translating that so the question is once you do the science and you prove the efficacy then what's the way of bringing that out in, into the world and you know you can do that in you know in different ways and and people have you can do that through retreats which treat a small you know if small number of people go on retreats or you can go you know do it with centers where you know where people can go but you know as investors we look to do it in a way that would help scale globally through investing in technology platforms that would help bring these messages and 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 help promote the teachers behind them you know to a global audience and so our perspective is that we could help you know, in one way, which was to support entrepreneurs that had really good intention, but wanted to use business as a way to help scale these practices for, for societal benefit.
0: That's a uh, I really appreciate the way you broke that down because that makes total sense. Because it's it's almost in essence, you just have to know who you're speaking with. You have to know your audience, and you just kind of broke it down of you know a head driven Westerner versus uh, the the heart of an Eastern. I can't remember exactly how you put that, but the way you broke it down makes total sense. You Use the vehicle to get the message to the people in the way that they can receive it and understand it.
1: Yeah, and you know these practices. You know, if you look at you know a couple of the apps that we've invested in, some people may have heard of uh, Headspace or or Insight Timer or Ten Percent Happier. You know, these for for Western audiences, these traditions and these wisdom teachers needed to be. Um, you know, brought into into a digestible format that people in the West, you know, would be able to relate to. And previously, did, people didn't think they could relate to meditation and mindfulness. And, you know, we found entrepreneurs that we thought that could bring, you know, good messages and good practices and, and also market them effectively so they could reach, you know, so they could reach global scale.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because you compare that to... A retreat, for example. And the average American, if we're talking about Americans, probably doesn't carve out a lot of time for a weekend or a week long. Meditation retreat to work on themselves. It's usually like, let's get on a cruise or let's go on a vacation to Europe or whatever (laughs) and try and relax, right? So 100% get that and and see how the vehicles. I actually happen to have Headspace and use it. I haven't been using it a lot lately, admittedly, but it's a really cool app. Are there some others that you've been particularly excited about or, or ones that you have found to be just really taken off in a direction you didn't expect?
1: Well, the one, you know, one that I really uh, enjoy working with um, is is called Insight Timer. And if you look at like Insight Timer, more meditation is done on Insight Timer every day than all other meditation apps combined. And the reason is because it's a platform that has eight or 9,000 global spiritual teachers, scientists, uh, athletes, uh, you know, people who, you know, want to support healthier lifestyles and, 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 you know, deepen, you know, their own awareness and it's free and accessible to everyone. It, it's absolutely free. Uh, you can, you know, maybe five to 7% of the audience pays for, you know, specific content or features. But our belief is that through having a free platform we can reach anybody with a smartphone who can access anyone from the Dalai Lama down to their, you know, local meditation teacher in their local community. If they're in Iceland, that's fine. We've got it in Icelandic. If they're in, you know, um, Pakistan, you know, they can find a teacher in their own native language. And so from, from our standpoint, uh, this is, this is a platform where that's, that's abundant for teachers, abundant for, you know, for practitioners and a way to kind of be in community together around the world, supporting something that really, you know, is helping people on their individual journey with teachers that support them at, at whatever level they're at. So to me, that's pretty, that, that's a pretty cool platform.
0: Yeah, I've actually not heard of that one. It's Insight Timer. Uh, I actually just downloaded it on my phone as you were talking there, and you're right, it is free. <laughs> so that's a pretty cool uh, platform. I'll definitely check it out after we're done here. So this is, I mean, it, it's such a sort of a niche and an interesting space that you've ended up in, but I imagine there was some interesting interweavings to get you here. So can you take us back to where your journey really began and, and explain to us kind of, where you started and how how you got into the position that you're in now.
1: So I'll break that down into the professional journey and then the personal journey. So from a professional perspective, uh, you know, in my career, I've worked in 14 different industries and, see, you know, anything that I've been involved with seems to have to do with transformation, authentic leadership, innovation, or growth. And I'm really comfortable when I'm helping to build global movements. And the one that, you know, we're talking about is the latest one I've been involved with. You know, I've worked on wall street. I did consumer goods marketing. I also started a nonprofit in the slums of Nairobi, Kenya, which became a healthcare organization that served several million people still operating 30 years later. I formed the first for-profit expedition company in us history to help two female polar explorers cross Antarctica uh, 1,700 mile journey, which we which we used from a business standpoint to create a global movement to inspire girls and women around the world to pursue their expeditions, whatever that was. So, you know, I've done, you know, the corporate gigs, I've done startups, I've done uh, turnarounds, I've worked in nonprofit, for profit. And, you know, all of that, all of my, you know, my journey sort of ended up to where this was actually a perfect fit for me on a professional, Uh, on a personal side, uh, I'd say about 15 years ago, I had, I'm just going to call it, there's no good term for it. Um, but just my own, my own awakening or, or my own, you know, I kind of woke up to who I, you know, to, to who I was, and to some of the patterns I've been living under that weren't serving me. Uh, in my case, you know, I'm pretty stubborn. And it took like three forms of death, like my father and grandfather dying physically, um, a business dying, and I'd always been successful at business. Uh, And that happened at the same time that a marriage that had been dead for years, finally came to that realization. So that was my moment of saying, like, Oh, my God, you know, what am I doing with my life? And, uh, and, and, you know, it was the first time in, in a family system that didn't that didn't talk about their feelings, they were uncomfortable. Uh, we didn't go to see therapists. Like I said, I need help. And so I began my own my own journey to understand, you know, who who am I? What am I on this planet to do? What's my essence? Uh, and And, you know, that began a journey. And so the two of those sort of, you know, combined, because I met my wife, she was involved in the Mind and Life Institute, and my business side and my own passionate side of you know of helping to to support my own personal growth and then the deeper that I got you know I wanted to support other entrepreneurs who were helping others to do you know the same thing so so that's kind of how the personal and the business side combined to leading you know leading me to this moment in my life
0: absolutely and and I appreciate you breaking that down for us so when when you had that moment personally of that Sort of those three forms of, of death, as you called it, there was an awakening. Is that how you or I don't know what the, what the word is you prefer to use, but it, you know it sounds like there was a moment of realization that like if I continue on a path that I'm on, I am going to end up you know, I see where I'm going, I, I foresee it, if you will. And then there, there was a fork in the road, and you decided to take the other fork. Is that fair to say?
1: Well, for me, like I, I, it it actually, you know, all this was happening and, you know, I had a dream one night uh, and I, you know, I I was, I was climbing the World Trade Center um, and I knew what I was going to do when I got to the top and I'd never committed, you know, I'd never thought of committing suicide. So this was more of a metaphorical thing of like, my God, you know, it's, it's, I'm not happy, you know? I need help. I don't know what to do. I can't. And so that's when I just said, okay, I need to find somebody to help me because I can't, I don't have the, I don't have the internal tools to kind of know how to get through these moments and deal with all of this, you know, deal with all this death. So for me, you know, that began a process where I found my own voice, for instance. So I'm 40 years old I never knew I had a talent. I'd I'd been a harmonica player and a guitar player, but all of a sudden I started writing songs. All of a sudden I realized I actually have a pretty good voice for somebody who's never taken voice lessons. I recorded two albums, you know, and that was my way of sort of beginning to express my, you know, my own, whatever was sort of coming to me and, and beginning to just express the, um, the essence of, of, you know of, of who i am and and my work is a way of expressing you know who i am in the world and the and the change you know and the change that i w- that i want to see created so uh it that that moment led to a journey and the journey doesn't stop i mean i'm 15 years in i still find you know i still find you know old stories that i tell myself that don't serve me or i'm in old patterns every once in a while you know, that I learned from when I was, you know, one or two years old dealing with a family that was completely, you know, to the outside world, my family looked like the perfect family and inside our family system, there was, just, you know, it was just a mess. And I spent so much of my life trying to hold together a very destructive family that everyone else thought was amazing. And so like I started saying, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm, I'm not here to just support." You know other people's destructive behavior and sort of you know, I mean I could go on about that, but but basically I just had to look at the conditioning, the pattern, the stories I've been telling myself, and just begin to live more freely and authentically, and not really care what people thought of the path I was choosing, which I used to do, um, but just to you know just to live in my own uh, you know live to the best in my own purpose and you know let things go where they're meant to go.
0: The direction that you're describing here, and maybe this took a lot more work than than what we're talking about here, but, you know, you had that moment, that realization, that dream. You said, I don't have the tools or the, the internal um, wherewithal to like know exactly how to deal with this and get through it. So did that, was that? when you went out and you went to find people who were into self-awareness and meditation and therapy or or what that whole world. And is that what that kicked off? Or or was it just simply a self-reflective that you did internally that sort of led you on this this unweaving of the tangle internally or or what have you?
1: Uh, you know, it led in a lot of different directions. I mean, you know, I found a therapist, uh, I found, you know, I, I sort of switched my you know, I used to go to doctors. Uh, instead, I started fi- finding chiropractors or people that would help me, you know, with with you know, with things like acupuncture or you know, deep tissue massage or or you know, chiropractic work. And and that helped me to find where I was out of alignment or where I had old trauma stored in my body, and it helped mm-hmm. me to release some of that old trauma. I began meditating, you know, on sort of on my own, and I you know, and I deepened my practice over time. I also found that, you know, I sort of shifted communities. The community that I had grown up with and I had collected friends all my life, that community increasingly no longer resonated. My family no longer resonated and they were not happy with the changes, with the changes that I was making. And, you know, and so I had to, I I chose to change so much about my life and and what i found was different people along the way to support me you know that was um you know everything from the therapist to astrologers to meditation teachers and so i you know my belief in doing this and and it's very different than i grew up with and when i grew up like i did we didn't look for help in my family it was always you know you always had to do everything yourself and i I've, I've come to understand that on a personal growth journey you know it's not a solo exercise we we need to find support from other people other friends other professionals uh you know where it makes sense to to help us along that uh, to help along al- along that journey
0: yeah uh, well said cuz there's a it sounds like there's a big combination of internal exploration solo on your own and then external with therapists or, you know, finding new friends and losing old ones and having tough conversations and all of that kind of combined. So, so the answer is there's really no one answer, no one size fits all to any of this kind of thing.
1: And whenever anybody tells you there is run for the hills. (laughs) (laughs) Well
0: said. Uh, So can Coming back to the bridge builders, I can see now how you got kind of pulled, like this was a perfect alignment of of your personal and your business journey. But can you tell us the story of exactly how you got involved with that collective and then how it's grown since you've been involved?
1: Yeah. So as I said, when we started, there were three investors. Uh, They hired me, you know, I was recommended to them. I'd never met them. We had an hour conversation on the phone uh, I'd not been in venture capital before. I'd kind of, you know, been in financial areas, but uh, I had been, an, you know, I had been an entrepreneur, and I'm, uh, you know, one of my skills is collaboration. And they were looking for someone to sort of be the collaborative glue for their group. Um, so they started with a question: Is there anything to invest in, in that space? Uh, and really, at the time, there was very little, and you know, to invest in in the space. Uh, most people hadn't heard of mindfulness or thought it was wild or wacko, wacky, and meditation was, you know, was anti-religious or you know, people people found it, uh, you know, sort of scary. And and so you know, we began investing in you know in this in this space. We we made a few investment in digital therapeutics companies, mindfulness companies, behavioral health companies. We began adding partners because there were people that said, I really want to be able to support this area. You know, I want to be able to support mental health. But in our family office, like if we do this ourselves, we won't do a very good job and we won't create sustainable businesses. If we can join forces with other people that have, you know, collaborative networks and a shared resource to help go do this work and do it better, then we'll make better decisions and we'll actually be able to, you know, help to, you know, to scale this, what's become really a movement and an industry. And so we grew from, you know, no investments to we've made 15 investments. Um, We have now nine investment partners that that have joined us. I've probably, you know, the first few years I was desperately looking for companies to invest in, you know, I've now, you know, I probably see five or seven New companies a day. I've you know seen probably a thousand companies in the space, you know that I've looked at, talked to, explored, and and we've made fifteen uh, investments. And each of our fifteen investments is still operating. Some have become multi hundred million dollar businesses, and all are creating you know on some level, uh, you know very s- strong social impact.
0: From more of a business perspective, but when you look at s- something like this like one of these types of, of companies, how do you kind of pick through it to decide if it's something that's worth putting resources behind? Uh, cause I imagine, especially as a new industry forms like the mindfulness one, um, a lot of people rush in there, right. And everyone's got an idea, but how do you determine the 15 or maybe you're now you're that whatever you're going to do next to decide where to, where to put that that resource and that energy.
1: It's a, it's a really good question. Uh, it's an art and a science, and, and there's a little bit of both. So the first question I always ask is, okay, if we, if we were to invest in this company, what could we imagine would be the global scale that we, and impact that we would create? So impact is absolutely a screen. And I never look at a business and say, is it a good business? Until I've, until I've asked, can this create you know massive impact uh, and positive impact? The second thing I look at is actually the entrepreneur. And when I look at the entrepreneur, I really, in this space, I ask the question, do they have business skills? But also how deep have they gone on their own personal journey? Because it's pretty easy to find somebody that works at a Silicon Valley tech company who goes to a mindfulness retreat and says, holy shit, my life has changed and now I wanna change the world overnight and they know how to do that. But you know they know how to create technology that scales. But I'm really looking for people who, you know, have integrated that work, spent years at it and really are a personal um, manifestation of the work that they're trying to create and are and are sort of way ahead of the audience that they want to support. The third thing that I look at is a little bit of like, what's the product? What's the service? And, and then, you know, within that, I ask the question, what's the What's the moat that this company you know, can create? What, what's the protective barriers that, make it, that, that will make it hard to compete against uh, as it goes out into the market? Then I, look at, then I look at what distribution system do they want to go out into and do they have a lot of expertise and know that distribution system?
0: Meaning like is it an app versus is it like a physical product or a website or like what physical deliverable?
1: Well, it's a little bit more, you know, even if you're an app, uh, you know, there's a B2C model. uh, There's a B2B model where you're going and selling to companies. There's a model where you go and sell to insurance companies or the healthcare system. Some people sell to government systems and all of those systems operate really differently. And, you know, you have to really understand the nuances of how those markets work. And so I look at whether or not the entrepreneur you know, knows how to do that and whether or not they also are smart enough to know uh, that when something shifts, uh, we've had several companies, for instance, that have started as B2C apps. And then the consumer experience is so good that companies call them. And, you know, so all of a sudden they are faced with selling to companies because companies are wanting to buy the product. So is the entrepreneur good enough at hiring people to help uh, her or him to be able you know, to shift and adapt their, you know, and, and pivot. Because almost, you know, every company that, I, that I'm currently thinking about has, has had some shift in the, mo- in, in the model as, as their business has, has grown. Uh, and then finally, and I say finally, it's, you know, it's the last thing. It's like what's, we look for strong returns on investment and we need to prove to ourselves that there's a potential that we're going to get a strong return on investment. So I go through you know that exercise which is about valuation and you know is there a good financial model behind it and uh so but, but that's really the last question that we ask is
0: about ROI. Interesting because you you almost think that like investment banking or 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 uh, venture capital is all about numbers and spreadsheets and I guess in some cases it probably is but your space you focus on the impact and the people Running, running first and then trickle down a lot of the rest.
1: Yeah. And we, and we do co-invest with venture capitalists, you know, who do more of a traditional model. You know, we have, we have lots of people that we co-invest in that, that, that might look at the world differently. Um, we just, um, you know, we just look at it and say, and, and have sort of a combined approach, you know, and I, I forgot, I forgot one thing that I don't know if venture capitalists look at it this way or not, but I I look at whether or not I'd have fun supporting the company. Uh, Like life's too short. Uh, We don't want, we we would not make an investment in a company where we said, well, we can make a ton of money doing this, but it will be miserable. Uh, For us, you know, half, half of the joy of doing this work is supporting entrepreneurs, adding a tremendous amount of value. And so one of the things we look at is how do we bring our collective wisdom, knowledge networks, you know, to a company to help the entrepreneur be successful, and will we really have fun collaborating with that entrepreneur?
0: That's really cool. Well, I appreciate you breaking that down for us. Um, and gosh, we could probably sit here for a lot longer, you know talking about specific examples, but unfortunately, we're towards the end of our time, and uh, want to respect the rest of your day, of course. Um, so I am going to transition us over to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? I think so. I, I don't know. I will. I'll, I'll tell you when you ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> I think based on the interview so far, you're going to do great. So first question is what book have you gifted most often? I don't, you know, I don't really
1: read a lot of books. I read all day long and I don't tend to give
0: books as gifts. Wow. Okay. If you could give an hour of, or get an hour of someone's time, excuse me, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why?
1: Oh, that's a good, that's a really good one. I've had, you know, I've had such a remarkable experience of, of like becoming friends with some of the world's spiritual teachers and becoming, you know, friends and asking those questions. I, I think, you know, I think Michelle Obama is, a, is what I'd say. And I don't know if, I, I don't know if it'd be all about questions. It would just be about like, you know, just being in her amazing presence and just getting to know her, because I just think she's one of the more inspirational people that I've ever
0: heard. What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on?
1: I believe that, so, okay, I'll just say this. Part of the reason I'm on the planet is to help smash the patriarchy. It's tens of thousands of years old. It's not serving men. It's not serving women. And most well, well most well many women might agree <laughs> agree that they want to see that happen a lot of men wouldn't necessarily want that to happen and um and but i'm but I'm seeing more men over time that understand that you know this uh very masculine way that we are operating and have been in this sort of power over dynamic that is that you know we see in political religious you know corporate systems is, hasn't really served us and is no longer serving us. So that may, a lot of people might disagree with me on that.
0: Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you like to start your day?
1: I tend to start early. I actually come down, I I make coffee. I come down and and use this thing called the Beamer, which is kind of, um, you know, a hardware device that just uh, imbues energy, you know, into, uh, into the body. Then I go get my cup of coffee and usually sit down with inside timer uh for somewhere between twenty and thirty minutes and meditate and then you know I'll quickly or sometimes you know spend a little time you know with the news then my wife wakes up then we talk, and then you know that's that's a really fun time of day. Watch the sunrise together, and then I go to work, which I work out of my house. As, as, as I have for years. My, many people are working from their house now, but they're, but I've been doing it for for, for, uh, for 10 years.
0: Awesome. Well, Charlie, this has been great. Uh, where can we connect with you and learn more about the Bridge Builders Collaborative online?
1: Yeah, so the Bridge Builders website is bbcollaborative.com. My wife and I have a business called the Shifted Institute, which is where I do my work for Bridge Builders. And that's just shiftit.com, shift it. I'm on LinkedIn, you know, quite a bit and Twitter, Charlie Hartwell on both of those. And then uh, I read, read a Medium blog around what's happening sort of in the mindfulness consciousness space. So that's just Charlie Hartwell of Medium.
0: Perfect. Well, we'll link up to all of that down in the show notes, guys. So it's really easy to find. Um, and uh, definitely some good content on there because I've been checking that out before this interview, and he's got some good blogs up, which I I read through a few of them. So thanks for sharing those. Uh, Thanks for being on the show today and providing some great value to the audience. Really glad to have you, and and, uh, have a good rest of your week. Same to you, Hans. Thanks a lot for the time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It was awesome having you here. If you want to connect with Charlie more intimately, um, I've got all his social media, his websites, his blog, all of it's down in the show notes easy to find. And if you want to connect with me personally, uh, I'm on Instagram most actively at Chief Snaw. And if you want to know where the name came from, send me a DM and I'll tell you because there is a pretty good story on that one. Again, uh, for tuning in. And if you did get value, you know what to do. Leave a rating and review on your favorite platform because it really helps me grow, get in front of a few more people. The algorithm loves that stuff. So uh, really appreciate it. And Without any further ado, let's go ahead and log it off for today. This is Hans at Struzina, host of Another Way to Play, and remember to make every chapter better than the last.